Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Link. Good morning and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents. This Saturday, the seventh of May, you're listening to Community Radio 3CR. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I'm taking you through to 9:30 this morning. My co-host Jody Peskett unfortunately is home with COVID.、Um, she's actually quite unwell, so our thoughts and prayers are with Jody at this time.、Um, But no, really, Jody. Hope you have a speedy recovery.、Um, however, Jody did、uh, do the feature interview with me.、Um, she and I interviewed Farooq Tariq、uh, last night, and we'll be bringing you that story in the second part of the show today. Farooq, as you know, is、uh, as listeners will probably know,、uh, is a trade union activist and organizer, a stalwart of the Pakistani、um, trade union movement, and so we、uh, initially spoke to. Him about May Day、uh, because the Pakistanis are well known for their massive May Day demonstrations. But of course, we spoke a bit more broadly about the demands of the Pakistani workers' movement. So, as I said, we'll bring you that story in the second part of the show. Of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on the web or the w's.aawl.org.au. We're on Facebook and Twitter, so look us up on those social media platforms. We're going to go straight into news from around the region. And we're going to kick off、um, in、uh, on the topic of World Press Freedom Day, which is on the third of May every year. To mark World Press Freedom Day, the International Federation of Journalists, on behalf of the South Asia Media Solidarity Network, launched its twentieth annual South Asia Press Freedom Report, entitled "Solidarity and Survival: The Story of South Asia." The IFJ's South Asia Press Freedom Report from this year includes analysis about press freedom and freedom of expression in each country in the South Asian region. With support from the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, which is UNESCO, so with the support from UNESCO, the EU, the Norsk Journalistlag, which is the Um, organization of journalists in、um, in Norway and the National Endowment for Democracy, the NED, which people know is a U.S. organization. It is funded by the CIA,、uh, but they did support this particular、um, report looking at、um, press freedom in South Asia. So, with the support of those organisations, the report highlights the stories of journalists in exile and the battle being waged to maintain digital freedom in South Asia as the media landscape transforms in the wake of the COVID nineteen pandemic. So, one of the things that the report shows is that a total of two hundred ten cases of media rights violations were recorded in the period covered by the report. Including twenty-three journalists who were killed during their work as journalists. A further one hundred thirty-one media workers were detained or jailed in South Asia, a dramatic increase on the sixty-three arrests recorded this time last year. 
And there's been evidence of authorities increasing propensity to silence critical reportage through intimidation, interrogation and detention. And one of the things we speak to Farooq Tariq about in the second part of the show is, of course, press freedom in Pakistan. Moving now to May Day in Turkey. The working class in Turkey took to the streets on May Day after a two-year break because of COVID. With the call of unions and democratic mass organisations in tens of cities and towns up and down the country, workers, women and youth expressed their anger at capitalist exploitation, policies of impoverishment, joblessness and the repressive and tyrannical regime of that country. Hundreds of thousands of workers across the country attended the rallies, which were marked by anger at the government. In Istanbul, the venue for May Day was Maltepe Square, organised by workers' unions such as DISC, which is a big supporter of AAWL, KESK, which is the other Labour Federation in that country, TTB and the TMMOB. And to be honest, comrades, I don't know what those two other organisations are. The main slogan, though, uh, in Istanbul was, enough is enough, we'll change it together. One of the unions, a union called UIDDER, had the main slogan in the run-up to May Day being, noted joblessness, poverty, exploitation and imperialist wars. Hail to the world working class. And it joined the May Day rally in Maltepe Square. To emphasise the international nature of the struggle of the working class, this union, the UIDDER contingent, carried placards in Kurdish, Farsi, Arabic, English, Spanish, French and German. And I thought that was a very significant um, development for May Day in Turkey, the um, multilingual placards. Moving to Iran and again on the issue and topic of May Day, um, Iranian workers are facing mounting economic and political challenges to realising their labour rights. Activists have said this in relation to protests on International Workers' Day on the 1st of May. So this is a key demand for the Iranian trade union movement and workers' movement is around the mounting cost of living. Over the past four years, amid a deterioration of Iran's economic conditions, labour protests have increased in the country. Iranian authorities have attempted to repress and silence activists in labour organisations and trade unions who have led protests against low wages and declining living standards. Moreover, a significant number of reported work-related safety incidents and cases of unpaid wages demonstrate the perilous working conditions and a further erosion of labour protections in recent years. Iranian authorities have responded to an increase in labour protests and related actions with arrests and prosecutions of labour rights activists. Over the last 12 months, at least 69 workers have been arrested and dozens more have been summoned for interrogations, according to Human Rights Watch. Since March, the authorities have also increased harassment and summonses for interrogation of the active members of the Iranian Teachers Trade Association, which has been leading nationwide protests for fair wages for the last three years. And a a significant number of these workers, of these trade unionists in the Iranian Teachers Trade Association were arrested on the 1st of May before hitting the streets on May Day. We'll try and bring um, you more information about the fate of those workers in the coming weeks. Moving now to Sri Lanka, and of course the feature story last week was the um, continuing deteriorating economic conditions in Sri Lanka and the massive protests that have erupted as a result. 
And of course, the workers in Sri Lanka took a general strike yesterday. So an update on that story is this, that the Sri Lanka's bus and train networks ground to a halt while offices and factories were empty yesterday in a nationwide strike demanding the government's resignation over the island's worsening economic crisis. Months of blackouts and acute shortages of food, fuel and pharmaceuticals have seen widespread suffering across the South Asian island nation. Public anger has sparked sustained protests demanding the government step down over its mismanagement of the crisis, Sri Lanka's worst since independence in 1948. Millions of workers stayed off the job yesterday in a strike organised by the country's trade union movement, but uh, with all but one scheduled train service being cancelled. And our final story is from Kazakhstan, and it's in relation to a trade union activist that has been in prison since 2019. Erjan Elshibayev, a human rights defender and a worker activist in Kazakhstan, has been in prison for over two years now. He was one of the organisers of the 2019 rallies in the town of Zhenozhen to demand higher wages for local workers and the creation of jobs for the unemployed. Zhenozhen is a town in western Kazakhstan located in the centre of the richest oil-bearing region. Yet, for many years, the unemployment rate in that town remains one of the highest in the country. In October 2019, Elshibayev, this is the worker activist who's now in prison, he was sentenced to five years in prison on trumped-up charges. Allegedly, several years before his arrest, this particular activist assaulted unknown people, inflicted bodily harm, etc. But human rights defenders and Elshibayev himself believe that these charges are a form of persecution for his public activities and and civil activism and, of course, deny the allegations altogether. The persecution of El Shabayev continued in prison where he has repeatedly complained of being under pressure from prison guards. As a sign of protest against the, this unlawful action by prison administration, he committed self-harm, he, he injured himself, in order to call public attention to his case and his fate. However, the prison administration interpreted these actions as willful disobedience to lawful demands of prison officers. And now El Shabayev is facing a further term um, of imprisonment and further charges and sentences. There is an international campaign calling for the release of El Shabayev, and so we'll put those details up on uh, AAWL's Facebook page. It is 11 minutes past nine o'clock here on Community Radio 3CR. We're going to go to some community announcements and then our feature story for the morning. The Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter. 
DigiTube, people, place, language. Connecting stories, culture and language across Australia. Contribute your content in digitube.com.au. Sign up for a free account and select your options for streaming. Download and broadcast promotion. A 3CR supporter. Come to me, lover, I've secrets to tell. Hi, we're Dash. And you're listening to 3CR Community Radio. Come to me sweetly, this love of great faith. It is 12 minutes past nine o'clock. You're on Community Radio 3CR. Well, Jody Peskett and I had the opportunity to interview Farooq Tariq about May Day in Pakistan, and we'll bring you that story. Just to remind listeners, Jody has COVID. She had COVID when we did this interview, and she is um, really struggling with uh, tiredness, fatigue, etc. So, I think she did a stellar effort of um, of holding it together for this interview. But here we go. I'm General Secretary of. Uh a present network in Pakistan, Pakistan Kisan Rapta Committee. That means Pakistan Peasants Coordination Committee. The committee was set up in 2003 in a large uh, peasant conference. And this brings together 29 different peasant and farmers organization to one platform. And PKRC is also a member of Lavia Campesina, which is an international organization of small farmers. Also, I'm involved in Hakuke Khalq Party, which means People's Rights Party, uh, a new party which started uh, three years earlier. And uh, I had resigned from Awami Workers Party, where Labour Party was merged in 2012. Uh, so in 2019, I resigned to join this youth movement, uh, which is uh, now uh, establishing Hakuke Khalq Party. Wow, a lot of things happening there. Thank you so much. Of course, uh, we've just had May Day and many of the organisations you're involved in will no doubt have been active during May Day. Can you tell us a little bit about the May Day activities that happened where you are and around what you're organising, but also across Pakistan? Okay, I was at uh, All Pakistan Workers Confederation main public rally. This, This year, the... May Day was just a day before, two days before uh, the Eid, Eid al-Fitr. So Muslims has, uh, were keeping fast. And uh, so most of the trade unions decided not to take out rallies, but to organize public meetings. So I was at uh, the main uh, workers uh, center, which is called uh, Al-Pakistan Workers Confederation. So we, along with other trade unionists, uh, celebrated May Day in Lahore in that manner. But there was also a lot of public activities around the country in Karachi and Multan, Pushawar, Rawalpindi, Koita. Every city had witnessed mainly the public meetings. And in some cities, there was rallies as well. But because of Ramazan and end of Ramazan had affected the participation of the workers into these May Day rallies. Normally, we see thousands and thousands of workers joining May Day rallies, but this year it was not the case. Um, Farooq, could you tell us, uh, so you held these public meetings, which sounds like a great alternative to accommodate uh, Ramadan, but could you tell us what the major demands of the workers were this year, this May Day? 
yes the main demands were really implementation of the minimum wage which was uh, set up by the newly uh, new new government uh, after imran khan uh, who was a cricketer and was prime minister he was thrown out in a parliamentary coup uh, the new government enhanced the minimum wage from 20000 rupees a month to 25000 rupees a month so the major demand was the government must implement this wages and also raise it to 40000 a month that was yeah. one of the demand but also the other demand was no to privatization the place i was uh, i spoke at uh, we raised issue of conditionalities of the imf which has been the major uh, reason for the unprecedented price hike in pakistan so we said no to imf uh, do away from the imf we are demand from the new government that they should not implement the harsh conditionalities of the imf while taking loans from them we said don't take loans just stop paying these loans at least for four years at least for some years don't pay anything uh, and that money should be spent on people's welfare um the that issue of cost of living we're going to come to that later in the interview because we're also we also want to ask you a little bit about what is happening with covid but before we get to that i wanted to ask you we understand that the repression of workers particularly journalists is very intense in pakistan and did around may day and around this particular political climate have we seen an increase in repression of workers and a cracking down on journalists yes journalist has been the main target during the past few years and several journalists got um, killed uh, several were shot at uh, there was threats uh, to their lives and they were asked to self censor and there was new laws been made by the last government so pakistan uh, pakistan went down in the index where they were measuring the freedom of uh, expression uh, internationally and that was one of the major uh, uh, sort of campaign during the past few years and pakistan federal union of journalists pfuj a strong union of the journalists were part of our al pakistan workers confederation public rally in, in islamabad so we jointly organized a public meeting over there as well and um, the pfuj uh, which was established in the early 50s uh, this organization is leading the campaign for freedom of expression and it brings together most of the uh, journalist community but journalists were mainly targeted because they wanted to speak out they wanted to uh, make videos uh, there was a lot of new uh, channels uh, come up uh, where youtube youtubers journalists were very popular on youtubes and they were threatened that don't go to that extent in some cases the intelligence agencies went to the homes of the journalists to kick them and to threaten them so that sort of and uh, one of my friend who is very popular journalist called hamad meer he was shot at uh, in 2014 still he has is carrying some uh, bullets 
but last year when he was in a public rally demanding an end of repression of journalists he was kicked out of his uh, jung and geo news group which is the largest group in pakistan but uh, fortunately beginning of this year he's been restored and now he's back on his very popular program called capital talk uh, on got that's uh, uh some serious repression that you're talking about there farooq um and you know not just to your friend but other journalists as you said um and, and this is potentially a little bit related but as Giselle we said we wanted to also um ask you a few questions around covid and cost of living but can you tell us so the world obviously we're all aware that the world is being dra- drowning in the global pandemic for two years now um <clears throat> what has happened can you tell us what's happened in Pakistan in relation to covid and its impact on workers Fortunately at this time there is a very little covid in Pakistan the organization which was set up to deal with the covid is uh, demolished and there is uh, no death at present time fortunately and also very few cases are reported this is at present but it has been very very intense covid attack in Pakistan four different layers came one and after i was also one of the victim initial victims uh, the room i'm sitting i was here uh, gardened for 40 days uh, and uh, there was a lot of theories at the time pakistan is very conservative uh, society so the mullahs initially were saying there is no covid then they were saying it's just a propaganda it's a conspiracy all sort of different conspiratorial theories were spread all over but finally the people realized that they have to go uh, for vaccination and we were the first one uh, around 30000 people have died in pakistan and uh, millions were affected uh, the initial uh, uh, march 2020 was very intense and then last year also there was an intense layer uh but the mullahs and the religious fanatics made the things worst and uh, they would not stop they would not they would not uh, stop they would not act on the instructions of the government and the government also imran also was saying is uh, is nothing is tough uh, you don't have we don't have to go for lockdown immediately that was the initial period and i don't want to destroy my economy and all that but finally he also went for lockdown for few weeks but also we were the first one to raise vaccine for all free vaccine for all citizens initially government uh, gave licenses to the private uh, uh, companies pharmaceutical companies and uh, they were asked to vaccinate people at the cost there that was like 40 dollars 50 dollars something like that and uh, it was not possible for over overall majority of pakistan people so we had the first public rally first public meeting free vaccine for all and uh, we immediately became part of the international campaign for free vaccine and uh, so our our first online meetings were attended by hundreds of prominent journalists parliamentarians 
trade unionists, peasant organizations, civil society activists. So it was a massive uh, uh, online meeting which uh, we organized and uh, it was reported by the mainstream media. So the government went back uh, on, on its initial planning and then they started importing and putting some money. Now at this time around 60 to 65 percent population in Pakistan has got two uh, they have two uh, vaccination uh, and rest uh, they are also still working on that. So I would appreciate Imran Khan government for the last two years, not the initial period, where they put a lot of effort to deal with pandemic and finally it went down and we are lucky at present time that uh, it is almost gone in Pakistan. Well, for most of us across the world, the COVID pandemic, obviously all of the health things that you were talking about and the lockdowns, etc. but what came with COVID was the economic crisis, inflation, cost of living because of all the furloughed staff, all of these things. But you, you mentioned earlier that the cost of living issues in Pakistan are more related to an um, IMF um, um, grant that has to be paid back, etc. Tell us what is happening in Pakistan with the economic crisis and the impact on workers. According to one survey, there are 20 million new poor in Pakistan. And that started from uh, the period of COVID, where government provided vaccine, but they were not providing compensation. Many, many workers and farmers lost their income. Uh, they were not able to go to job. They had no job. And many factories, they got compensation from the government, but don't, did not pay to the workers. So workers lost their job and they were not compensated. Not even penny was given, just thrown out of the factory. So there was a large scale um, uh, People were losing job uh, at present and particularly among the textile workers, they were the one who got uh, uh, the most hit from the COVID uh, uh, background. And so in 2020 and 21, our group initiated a campaign to provide food for those who have lost their jobs. So 4,000 families in and around Lahore were provided uh, dry food ration by us uh, enough for a family of six for a month. So we did a lot of uh, uh, work at the time, but also we campaigned. We went along with the workers. We organized them into trade unions. We brought them to Lahore. We organized demonstrations. And we grow. We sit in, in front of the factories. And in some cases, we got successes. In some cases, we were we faced some uh, uh, trial uh, from police cases, uh, criminal police cases, blocking of the roads and all that. So we were siding with the workers during this most difficult time. And uh, poverty is on ever increase. Uh, inequality is on the on ever increase as well. Uh, we are part of Inequality Alliance, which is also dealing with this uh, issue. And we see that uh, things has not gone back to the normal as was pre-COVID. Um, people are still looking for jobs. 
for instance just before ramazan uh, we had to provide an emergency food ration to 200 families who had lost their jobs in lahore that was an emergency thing we did so we see absolute poverty because of the two reasons because of the economic crisis initiated imf and and look at the mentality of former imran khan government they paid more debt during pandemic than the past years they paid in 21 25% more but they paid in 2020 so i am instead of saying to imf we don't pay any foreign debt we don't have no money we have to feed our people they went to uh, pay back uh, the uh, the loan and they brought uh, the finance minister from imf he was uh, an employee of imf he became finance minister they brought another world bank official to head the state bank of pakistan so the imran khan government tried to please the these imperialist uh, financial institutions so he could get away with some loan and uh, 6 billion dollar was promised by imf but the cost was paid by the people of pakistan Gosh, there is a lot happening in Pakistan at the moment, particularly in relation to fighting back. A, a lot of area to fight back, though the repression is very, very deep. But look, we, we've um, come to the end of our time together. So thank you very, very much for your time. Is there anything you'd like to add? Any final words and uh, about where the workers go from here? Oh, I think there's only one way we can move forward. That is to organize trade unions, to organize workers, to organize independent political parties than of these parties of the rich. That's what we are doing, and we hope to bring more and more people to an independent socialist position, which can fight back against uh, this imperialist economic and social and political attack. Thank you very much, and Jody. I wish you a very speedy recovery. all our praise with you and uh, thank you jia for this interview That was Farooq Tariq. It's 9.30, which means we are out of time. That's all for Asia-Pacific Currents today. I'm Giselle Hanna. Stay tuned for Palestine Remembered coming up next. 